morning as, as we look at this uh, portion of Scripture and, and uh, I look at chapter 16 there, 1 Samuel, look at verse number 1. The Bible says, The Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Now remember what happened with Saul. Saul was, uh, the people said, we want a king, right? And so God gave them what they asked for. And of course, last week we, we mentioned in the lesson that prior to 1 Samuel 16, that Saul took matters into his own hands and he actually did that which God had given to the priest to do. And uh, he overstepped, he trespassed uh, the, the, uh, what God would have for uh, the priest to do, and he again, his mind and his uh, felt like that he could do whatever he wanted to do, and again, that was total disobedience, call it rebellion, whatever you want to call it, but the Bible says here in chapter 16 uh, that God said to Samuel, how long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now again, that's, that's God's way is that when someone passes off the scene, when something happens like a Saul, that God always has someone waiting in the wings, that God always has a plan and that's what we see taking place here, that God had already, as he says here, provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show thee what thou shalt, thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that, which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, comest thou peaceably. Boy, uh, there must have been great fear. Now, by the way, that's a great testimony for Samuel that, that they knew, they understood that God was with him and uh, that God was, was uh, the power of God was on his life. And so in verse five, he says to them, to the elders of the city, he says, peaceably, I've, I've come peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord, sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now when you see this, and we'll continue with the story here this morning, but you know, as, as God has given me opportunity over the years to travel uh, all across this country, I've seen many wonderful things of what we call God's creation. I remember years ago that we were, we were heading up the west coast of the United States and we were up uh, close to the Bay Area and we had a chance to go see the giant redwood trees uh, there. Anybody ever been up to see the giant redwoods? And uh, they, they have names for them. They, they, some of them they, they've actually cut out to where you can drive an automobile through them. You can see the picture here and that little bitty person, that's a, lot, that's a real person standing underneath of those giant redwoods. Uh, they claim that back in 2000, I'm sure it's more now, but back in 2000, among these giant redwoods of Northern California, the tallest of these redwoods measured 378 feet tall. That's amazing. 
I mean, when they say giant redwoods, they're giant redwoods. Uh, and when you look at them, I think what, what I, I remember as I stood there like this person, I remember thinking about the, the power of our God that created something like this. I'd love to see things like this. It reminds me of my God. And what's neat is, is that as we were there, we were reading a lot of things about the redwoods, that, <clears throat> that even insects cannot uh, affect the redwoods the way that other trees are infected and diseased by that. Uh, one of the things that I think is unique about the redwoods is fire really doesn't have uh, a great effect on the giant redwoods either. And the reason for that is not because they won't burn, but it's because of the thick bark that is on these trees. I mean, the bark is, is amazingly, it's almost like an armor that is on these trees. And I was thinking about how, uh, you know, not only do we see these trees and how massive they are, the giants that they are, but when I was thinking about these trees, I was thinking about David. Now, a lot of times you read the story of David and you think of Goliath. Uh, being the giant, but when I read the story, every time I read it, to me, the giant wasn't Goliath, the giant was David. Uh, I think a lot of times it's perception. Uh, I guess I've always been that way, is I, I always root, uh, when it comes to sports, I always root for the underdog, the small guy, the one, that, the one that's playing the Patriots. That's the one I usually root for. So this week, I'm a Jets fan. <laughs> But you know, the thing is, is that David stood as a giant for God. And just like these trees are a testimony for God, David was a testimony for God. And we look, we could talk about David all day long, but think about this. You and I could be a modern day David. All of us face things in our lives that are giants to us. Now, it may not be named Goliath. But every one of us are going to face things with insurmountable odds. And, and the human nature is there's no way that I can defeat this. And you're right. There's no way you or I can. But we have a God that can. And, and that's what I want you to see from this story this morning. Because as you think about David's life, listen, among all the kings of Israel... There was no king that was loved more than David. There was no king that was mentioned more than David. David became a giant for God among men. Uh, it, when we think about David's heart, it, his heart was so focused on God that nothing could destroy the passion that he had for God. Uh, it, you know, David stood firm, and we'll look at this uh, this, this morning, David, even when he was being ridiculed by those that were even close to him, David still stood for God. A lot of times that's what happens in our lives is when those that are closest, family, friends, co-workers, start to ridicule us and make fun of us. Here's what we do a lot of times is we'll take off running or we'll just uh, we'll just close our mouth and we'll become quiet instead of standing the way that David stood in his day. David was used in his life to establish the faith of Israel. What a great example that David was for Israel. Uh, he gave them a model, something to follow, just as we today are looking to Jesus 
and we're trying to pattern our lives after the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, when you think about coming on this scene in 1 Samuel 16, how God directs Samuel to go and, and he wants him to anoint a new king. And then Samuel's a little apprehensive because he's like, what if Saul hears that I'm coming? And, and again, Saul was a man that because of his behavior, the Bible says that he, God rejected him from being a king. And so what did God do? God chose him a new king. And it all began, first of all, this morning with David's calling. Uh, go back to verse number six. Look what the Bible says here in 1 Samuel uh, 16, verse 6. It came to pass when they were come that he, Samuel, looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look on. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So the purpose, notice here this morning, the purpose of his calling was twofold. And the first reason that God called David was because Saul was the king of the people's choice. But remember, Saul was not God's choice. God wanted to be their king. God wanted to be the one that they would follow, that they would give their allegiance to. And so one of the reasons that we see the calling of David was because the people had chosen Saul instead of choosing God. And the second reason was because God was looking for a man after his own heart. That's who David was. David was a man that says, look, I want what God wants. I hope that's the way you are in your life. I want God's will for my life. I want to do what God has purposed for my life and look, when, when they, you know, here they, Samuel has, uh, Jesse passes all of his sons, all seven of them, and, and he, you know, God just keeps telling Samuel, nope, that's not him, nope, that's not him, nope, that's not him. And I mean, Samuel's thinking, look how big this guy is. Look, look at the abilities that this guy has. And, and after seven sons, he says, is, is this all your sons? And then all of a sudden, Jesse says, well, and I don't know how he said it, but it was almost like, well, I have one more. But I mean, he's not much. I mean, he's not, he's not as big as his brothers. He doesn't have the abilities. He's not a man of war, per se, the way his brothers are. 
it's interesting, the description of of David, you know, he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance, goodly to look upon, you know, and and he's like, well, I've got one more son. Okay, we'll go get him because we're not going to sit down until he comes. And so here comes David. David, the, the condition of his heart, not his stature, not his complexion, it was the condition of his heart that brought God's favor. Did you hear that? It was the condition of his heart. How's your heart today? David, listen, I've heard it said many, many times, and it is true. You know, you remember when you were in school? I mean, maybe I'm dating myself. I don't know if they do this anymore. But remember the old yearbooks where they always put in there the most likely to what? succeed. And they would always put, and many times you would look back in those yearbooks and you'd be like, where is that guy today? You know, and and sometimes I've heard people say, well, I'll tell you where he's at. He's in prison. You know, see, oftentimes it's it's the people that we think are going to be somebody that really don't ever materialize into anything. And it's the people that to us would be the least likely candidate is the one that God says, that's the person that I want right there. And that was probably David. God God was looking for somebody that had his heart. And can I tell you, look, this wasn't just in David's day. God today is still looking for people that have a heart for God that want to do what God would have them to do, who are willing to serve the Lord. Now, you, you all are familiar with Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Look at these aspects of David's heart. David's heart, he had a believing heart. Verse number one in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. David had a teachable heart. David said this in verse two, he maketh me to lie down, he leadeth me b- beside the still waters. David was teaching, even as a king, David was teachable. Don't ever lose the the spirit of being teachable. All of us are still growing and learning as Christians. David had a heart that was a holy heart. He said there in verse 3 of Psalm 23, He leadeth me me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice David, verse 4, Psalm 23, he had a confident heart. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. David had a thankful heart. Verse number 5 of Psalm 23, he says, my cup runneth over. (laughs) God's blessed my life is what he's saying there. David also had a fixed heart. In verse number 6 of Psalm 23, he says, And thou shalt follow me all the days of my life. David says, listen, I can do what I can do because God's with me. I mean, you think about the heart that David had. Listen, it was the purpose of his calling was because he was, he was God's choice. And I want you to not only see the purpose of David's calling, but notice letter B here, the process of his calling Look, remember, God's ways are not our ways. And so what did God do? God actually guided Samuel through this process. Now, we've looked at a little bit of it, but again, understand that even Samuel, listen now, 
even Samuel, God's man, was looking and he saw Eliab and he went, whoa. And then when God says, nope, that's not him, then the next son, uh, yeah, look, look at this guy. You know what Samuel was doing? He's doing the same thing we do. He was looking on the outward. But God looks where? He looks on the inward. He looks on the heart, right? See, God sees what other people cannot see. Samuel, just like everyone else, he went through the seven sons of Jesse. God didn't approve of any of them. And then Jesse remembered, he says, oh, wait a minute, I do have one more son. And they called for him. Now, even over in the New Testament, in Acts 13, verse 22, look at that verse there in your outline. Here's what the Bible says. When he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill how much of my will? All of it. What a great testimony. Even in the New Testament, somebody said, it is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. You see, the more we are, the more we think, the more we act like Jesus, the more God's going to bless our life. It's not about what we can do, about the, the gifts and the talents. We understand that many of those come from God. See, Samuel, he, look, he, he didn't understand it either for a while until God says, this is my choice, this man right here. So the Bible says that he took the horn of oil and he anointed David that day in front of all of them. And David, listen, he became the next king. Now, you know the story and we don't have time to go through all of it. But the, the fact that he used oil, oil in the Old Testament was symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone. And so that's exactly what takes place here is that God had, had anointed him, God had chosen him. Now in the New Testament, we find that God has given to all of us believers at salvation his spirit. And the reason God gives us his spirit, the Bible says you, you shall receive power after, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So God gives us his spirit to do what? To empower us to do the work that God has called us to do. Well, listen, that's what David needed in his life too, was he needed God's help to do the work that God had given him to do. You and I can't do it in the flesh. We need God's power. I need it today to teach and to preach the word of God. You need it uh, in your life every day to help you to be more like Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, look at it. He says, be not drunk with wine, we're in his success, but be filled, be controlled by God's Holy Spirit. Allow the Spirit to lead you and guide you. Uh, I just shared Acts 1-8 there. Again, this is this oftentimes, look at this. If we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be witnesses to God, not only in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We need God's power. And so Samuel anointed David. Now understand that, that David that day, although God anointed him, if you know the word of God, David did not become king that day. So there would be a time period. Matter of fact, it would be really many years before David actually took the throne 
But here's what I love about David, and this would be hard for a lot of people, that although David knew God had anointed him to be the next king, that he was going to be the next king of Israel, that while he was waiting for God to, to, to bring all that together, what did David do? He just stayed faithful doing what he was doing before God called him to be the next king. Say, so what was he doing? He was still tending the sheep for his father. He, he was still growing and as a Christian. He was still, look, why would God allow that to happen? I believe with all my heart, God was using that time period to prepare David for what was going to come in the days ahead. And that's exactly what took place. We see David's calling, but then notice that as God did call David, notice secondly, David's cause. Because as you start to think about David's life, David, as, as, as he begins to take his rightful place, notice that his cause is revealed when he fought against Goliath, this giant of the Philistines. David's cause was that he, like we should be the same way, he wanted his life to honor God and to glorify God. That's what he wanted, that, that, he, that God would get all the glory out of everything that he did. So notice that his cause was for the faith. If you have your Bible this morning, look in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look at chapter 17, and, and look what the Bible says here. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Soko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Soko and Ezekah, and in Esphaz Damin, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched in the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Now, warfare was a little different back then. The Bible says in verse 3, the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them, and there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath or Gath, of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. His spear's head weighed six 600 shekels of one bearing a shield went before him and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them why are ye come out to set your battle in array am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul choose you a man for you and let him come down to me now do you notice what what this Philistine one of the enemies of God did you notice what he said as he was standing there, verse number eight, here's what he says. He says, ye servants to Saul. So there's no reference to God. It wasn't that they were God's people. They were Saul's people. This was uh, the, the enemy that was making this statement. Look, look down in verse number 16. The Bible says, the Philistine drew near morning and evening and he presented himself how many days? For 40 days. Now the number 40, as you know, we even talked about at the end of the song this morning, the number 40 is a time in the Bible, it's a number of testing and sometimes temptation. Jesus was tempted. You know, you, you see the number 40 is, is used often in the Word of God. It's synonymous with the time of testing. So for 40 days, day and night, 
Here's this big mouth Philistine that just keeps coming out and saying, hey, look, why don't you send somebody to fight against me? Let's, let's throw down. Let's get with it right here. And so this is going on. But while this is going on, notice that David's cause was for the faith, that God had chosen his people, the, the nation of Israel. And what happened is the Bible records that Israel, the army of Israel, and the Philistines, they were in a standoff. They were, one was on this side, one was on this side, and there was a valley in between them. God's army was petrified. You know why they were petrified of this enemy? Because they were not trusting in God to deliver them. They were thinking to themselves, how are we going to beat this guy? How are we going to beat these people? See, oftentimes we sit there and try to calculate, try to figure out, how can I get out of this? How can I take care of this? Instead of saying, God, I can't, but you can. So here it is. They... They had become just like their king, Saul. They had become self-sufficient. In other words, I don't need God. I can handle this. Well, let me ask you, were they handling it? No. Forty days and nights had come and gone. And they're still on this side, and the Philistines are still on this side, and nothing is happening other than this giant of a man defying, really, God, not the army of Israel. He was defying God. And the army of Israel was doing absolutely nothing. It's, it's a pretty amazing scene. And here's what happens. David comes on the scene. I remember his daddy sent him out there. It wasn't like David said, hey, look, I want to go out there. Now, that's what he was accused of. His own brother accused him of that. But David goes out there, takes some supplies, and David is surprised that, that no one is troubled by what this giant of a man is saying. Now before you, you start thinking about David and the army of Israel, when you're at work and it's break or lunch, or you're in your cubicle and there's other people working around you, and you hear them talking and blaspheming God and saying jokes off color and mocking Christians, do you say anything? Do you take a stand for God? Say, Pastor, I can't do that. Well, they have no problem spewing out their hateful things. I'm not telling you to, to retaliate. I'm telling you to take a stand for God, to say something that is right because everything that they're saying is wrong. See, it's easy sometimes to look at David, look at the army of Israel. When I think about how this applies to our lives today, there are so many people in the world today that want to say all these things that, listen, are not only, are not only bad things, but they're wrong things about God and about Christians. And we say absolutely nothing. And David comes on the scene and he thinks to himself, why, is, why doesn't this bother someone? Remember, David had a passion. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. All year long we've been talking about the cause of Christ. 
David comes on this scene and he, and he thinks to himself, why isn't somebody doing something? I mean, how can they allow this man just to continue to say the things that he is saying? And David's only motivation, listen, they had it all wrong. David's only motivation was he wanted to defend God's honor. David said, listen, that's my God he's talking about. That's my God that he is that he is being irreverent towards. David was not looking. He didn't want recognition. He didn't want to be praised. But he stood that day in a day when no one else would. And you have to ask yourself, if you're ever going to be faced, or maybe you already have, will you or will I stand for God? I've even been around some Christians sometimes who will say things that a Christian ought not to say. And I've seen Christians who did not want to say anything to them. Folks, if it is wrong, it's wrong. Again, I think it ought to be done in love, but but understand that, that we, like David, we must live for his cause. Drop down in chapter 17, look at verse 21. Look at what the Bible says here. Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and, and spake according to the same words, And David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. The Bible says, and the men of Israel said, have you not seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not what? David says, isn't there a cause? I mean, look, it's 2019. I still believe there's a cause. I still believe honoring God, defending the word of God, defending what is right in the eyes of God is still worthy of doing in our day. Just look, not only in David's day, but in our day. Look at the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 there, and you know, Paul writes these words, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things, Nevertheless, Paul writes, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, 
And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hey, listen, folks, that was Paul in his day. What about us in our day? Do you believe that God is able? Are you ashamed of God? Or are you not ashamed of the person that you have believed on? Look, David's cause was for the faith. And if we're going to live our lives fighting for the cause of Christ, notice letter B, that just like David, his cause was faced. Because again, look at verse 28, because his brother Eliab, his eldest brother, you got to love brothers and how they get along, right? And his brother here, he's accusing David, he criticizes him. And you know, when I got to thinking about this, he's criticizing David. But let me ask you this, what was Eliab doing? He was doing nothing. It's easy sometimes for people to criticize other people. But listen, most of the time, the ones that are criticizing, listen to this this morning, very important lesson. Most of the time, the people that will criticize you are the ones that are doing absolutely nothing for Christ. So you know what you need to do? Don't take a lot of stock in what they have to say. Keep your eyes on the Lord. I mean, it's not like they're leading the charge. It's not like they're going to fight the giant themselves. No, no, no. They're paralyzed. They, they are fearful for their lives. That's what Eliab was doing. But boy, it didn't take long for him to start to criticize David when David says, is there not a cause? Look at this statement. Let the man who says it cannot be done not disturb the man doing it. <laughs> Listen, let someone like a David who was being challenged, David was challenged. Listen, he was not only challenged by, by his brother Eliab, but remember he was challenged even by Saul. Because the Bible records that even Saul, the king, doubted David's ability. Just like whenever he was anointed, well, I've, I've got one more son. I mean, David was used to that. You know, he was used to that. Anybody ever seen the real life story that they made a movie out of called Rudy. One of my favorite movies. This kid that wanted to play football for Notre Dame. Five foot nothing he was. He, he didn't have the, the mental capacity to get the grades to go into Notre Dame. He, that's all he wanted to do was play. His, his dad, his brothers, they all said, you're never going to make... I mean, he had no one, no cheerleaders in his life. He even had to go to a junior college to make the grades so that he could go, that he could get accepted and go to Notre Dame. And when he finally got into Notre Dame, he never really made the team. He was one of the, what I would call tackling dummies. He was on the practice squad. And I, I love the whole thing because he never quit, even when he was criticized. And look, I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to wait in your life until you have a bunch of cheerleaders, a whole squad of cheerleaders that's standing behind you, rooting you on with their pom-poms, it's not going to happen. You know the only person you need to encourage you? God. Remember what happened to David when the people were thinking about stoning him? David encouraged himself in the Lord. Hey, I can't always wait around for someone. I, I've got a, a wonderful Christian wife, and many times she is my cheerleader. She encourages me, 
But listen, when no one else is around, I'm going to tell you somebody that is always present, and that is the Lord. God's always there to encourage us. And David was, was challenged by, by Saul even. David, many people believe that David was about 12 to about 17 years of age at this time. Somewhere in there, uh, they, they, he was in their standards, their economy, he was a youth. Now again, once they got to be about 18 years of age or so, they considered them men of war, they became a part of the army, but, but God wanted to use this youth. Hey, if you go back and study many of the great revivals of the days of old, a lot of those revivals were not started by preachers, they were not started by missionaries, they were not started by adults, they were started by teenagers. Study it out. Read about some of the great revivals. Teenagers that had a heart for God. And God used those teenagers to stir the hearts of the adults who we oftentimes become cold and calloused. God can use a young person like he did David. And so, you know, when I look at Saul and I look at Eliab, who both had no confidence in David and both challenged David. You know what they forgot? They forgot about the Lord God of Israel. They forgot about David's God. See, David, his cause was for the faith and his cause was faced. But then notice that we see here in the passage, David's thirdly is conflict because all of us, I mentioned earlier, all of us are going to face battles in our lives. And again, whatever you're facing today might seem like a giant to you but our true character, just like we see here with David, is shown when we have to face those overwhelming odds. David noticed, first of all, that David, his, David's preparation for battle, David was prepared for battle. Say, Pastor, how could David be prepared for battle? Well, here's why. Because of the previous battles that David had already fought. See, although David had never gone up against the Philistines, David records, hey, listen, there was a time when a lion came, tried to take some of the sheep. There was a time that a bear came. David thought, listen, Philistines, nothing compared to a lion or a bear. See, he was already prepared. God had already prepared him. God was using everything that David had gone through, every trial, every battle in his life. And God does the same thing in our lives. He uses the trials. He uses the battles that we go through. Why? So that we will have a greater usefulness for him. That's what God had done in David's life. David was also prepared because of proven methods. Now, remember how the Bible records that Saul says, hey, look, go get my armor. And they tried to put Saul's armor on David. <laughs> the Bible, David, Saul wasn't as big as, as Goliath, but he was much bigger than David. And they, they, they tried to put Saul's armor on David. And David, David he's, he can't move. He can't even walk. David says, I haven't proved this. In other words, this hasn't been something that I've gone into battle with. So what did David say? Well, David says, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay with what works. And so David reaches into his bag and he pulls out his sling. This is, this is all David had. It was something just like this. I say, Pastor, where'd you get that from? David gave it to me. 
David showed me how to work it too. And, and so David, David says, well, wait a minute, I've got my sling. He said, and, and so the Bible records that David goes down to the brook. We had the privilege to go down to that brook when we were in the Holy Land. Remember going down there, Brother Roman? And we went down there. I'm going to tell you something. We were, like, we were like kids in a candy store. We were looking around, looking around. And I found, I found one, two, three, four, five. And you can, you can come up after class and feel these. These are smooth stones. Say, why five? Because that's what Bi the Bible says. David picked five smooth stones out of the brook. That's all he needed. Did he need five? He only needed one. God only needed one. And so David says, look, I, I think I'm just going to stay with God's proven methods you know, a lot of times people say, Pastor, why do we still do things the way we do here at church? Pastor, why don't you get with the times? Why don't we, why don't we move the pulpit out of the way? And why don't we get some colored lights and have a little dancing and throw our hands up in the air? And why don't we change? Everybody else is. Why don't we, why don't we just get rid of all that stuff. You know, I mean, listen, that's outdated. It's archaic. Look at the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and God has chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see, God wants to be glorified. It's not about our methods. It's not about, you know, it, it's all about God. David knew that that day. And I, it, David was prepared. And notice David's power in battle. I mean, Goliath was the, the best man that the world could produce. Do we have a picture of the, of the valley there? Did, did, I, did I put that in the slides? Right there. We stood, we stood right here. Remember that, Roman? We stood right there. That's the valley of Elah today. Those roads that you see, they weren't there back in the days of David. But the battle was set in array. There was the army of the Philistines on one side, and, and what you can see straight ahead, that's where the army of Israel was at. And David was prepared, but listen, what David needed was he needed God's power. And, and look, the, the world always seems to have the advantage. I mean, nobody could stand up against this Goliath of a man. But can I tell you, with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. David's power in battle, where did it come from? It came from his trust in the Lord. David says, look, I trusted God when it came to the lion. I trusted God when it came to the bear. This Philistine, I'm just going to trust God. He put the one stone in the sling. He trusted God. David's power. He was confident in what God could do. He was so focused that it didn't matter what Eliab said. It didn't matter what the army of it. didn't matter what Saul thought. The only thing that mattered was is that he knew that God was able. 
Zechariah said this, he answered and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by uh, might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. David was prepared. David had power when he went up against this giant. And then notice David's prevailing in battle, how that Goliath rose. And I love this, how, how the giant comes. He starts to make his way. And the Bible says David ran towards the giant. I mean, everybody else was standing still or going the other direction, but David ran. He defeated the giant with the stones and the sling, and God's power was upon him. Why? Because he stood for God that day. He had faith in God, and we need to claim faith in God today and and realize that God still has the power, that God is still faithful today. Look at Psalm 115. Now unto us, O Lord, not not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore, wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus beheld him and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Can God's people say amen to that? All things are possible. David was on a journey of faith. Hey, listen, this, this giant, just like a giant in your life, it was just another chapter in his life. It was just another test of his faith. And can I tell you this morning that, that David did all that God asked him to do, that he was a man after God's own heart. He was committed to the cause that, David, that God had called him to do. And we too, when we face our giants, look, you may not have a sling and some stones. But I'll tell you what you do have, you have the same thing that David had. You have an all-powerful God. And your faith needs to be in Him and not in what you can do and not in what I can do. May God give us that faith to face our giants. Some of you today, I guarantee you, are facing some things that are way too big for you. But they're this big to God. And you just need to have faith in God this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for how good you are to us and how you work. Lord, that oftentimes we see that we try to do things our way and we fail miserably. Lord, help us to see from the life of David that even when his brother, brothers, the army, Saul, many others doubted his ability, he knew that it wasn't in his power that the victory would come. It was through the power of Almighty God, and I pray that you'd help us to have that kind of faith today and every day to live for you, to defeat the giants in our life. In Christ's name we pray.